Hello and welcome back to the Not For Profits podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Trina Parham. And I'm David Devon. And we are two seasoned black professionals in the nonprofit industry. And here on this show, we spill the tea on the nonprofit industry. We talk about the behind the scenes, how the sausage is made, all the details that impacts black leaders and other folks of color in the nonprofit industry. And today we're talking about, what are we talking about, David? I want three houses, a boat, and racial justice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this is something that um, David and I, we joke about, but also real conversations that we have had, not only with each other, but with other folks around... hmm, We want racial justice, we want equity, we want all of these things, capitalism to fall for some people, whatever it is, but we also want the trappings of them. And when you work in the nonprofit space, it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky bag because you want to be able to make a living wage beyond a living wage. You want to live well, especially if you paid a lot for your education. You know, you want to see the return on that investment. You have to pay back those student loans for some of us. You know, um, although my loans did get forgiven, thank goodness. Oh, um, okay. But that aside, <laughs> um, so. There's all these things that we want, and how do those things dovetail or do they diverge from racial justice, from true equity in the workplace, things like that? Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to, yeah, I want to hear how you, you know, how you think about this for yourself, but something in terms of kind of level, not level setting, but just being real about what you experience within the nonprofit sector. So the place where we work together, you know, you have people coming in that are like legacy, legacy, wealth, you know, families, plenty of money, homes, you know, grew up in those places we can talk about with lots of resources. You know, I'm a black man of privilege, you know, from the suburbs outside of Boston. Um, don't have family wealth in the same way, but just to say you can be in these spaces and have people who have very little working with people where they don't even need to work. Right. (laughs) So when you're coming back from a weekend or a vacation or what they're talking about, when you see people ordering $30 lunches every day and you're bringing in a Tupperware of leftovers, like there's, there's just, there's also the dynamic that you can see in terms of who shows up and who has been a part of this sector. Where did this kind of charity narrative around things, where did it emerge from? Um, I know there's that book uh, that someone was just sharing with me. What is it called? White Philanthropy. That talks about how a number of these groups that started, it was really philanthropic uh, support for white immigrants in poverty, not necessarily for black people, you know, so there's just, there's a lot, you know, in terms of the history, but anyway, the things that we want, I also just wanted to think about, or that people talk about wanting in terms of security, financial security, uh, ability to travel, support, all of that stuff. Also just being, recognizing the power and class dynamics that are also present that you um, have always reminded me of, Trina, um, and called out that are within these buildings and within this work. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that 
that I've seen in the nonprofit space, particularly in places like where we used to work and other places, is there's people who work there who do not need their income to live and survive. And then there are those who do. So when we think about how much people are paid in a nonprofit, does it really matter if you have a spouse that makes $500,000 a year? True. You know, or if you're making less than $100,000 a year or whatever it is you're making, but you have to take care of you and three other people. I mean, it creates a very different dynamic. So I think that the issue of class, which is something we don't talk a lot about, which is also embedded in racism. I mean, we can go there. But this this class issue that that is so pervasive in nonprofits and it. It impacts the way that people see the work. So if you see the work as from a philanthropic standpoint versus um, maybe a social justice lens are very different. Mm -hmm. And you could be doing the same thing, but those lenses um, create can create some tension around and that will impact your strategy. That will impact so many different things in the organization. Yes. And I think. So I, I, let's talk about this with the just with black leaders. So as we said at the top, as I said at the top, you you've worked really hard. You have an education. You want to live a good life because we're in the era of social media and Instagram and, and folks want to they want to travel. They want to, <laughs> you know, fly first class. They want to do all these different things that cost money. And yes. you also see everything that has happened, particularly, you know, in the past three, four years, you know, around anything that's racial justice related. You think about, you know, the the rights that are being stripped away from, from women, you know, I mean, at the Supreme Court level. I mean, there's so many things that are happening. And so when you work in these organizations, we want to see change, but also, you know, so many of those changes are uh, are tied into our are tied into our vision for ourselves. So how when we say racial justice, like we see what's happening in the workplace, but we're only willing to many of us are only willing to go so far as far as it doesn't affect our bag. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I. It's hard. I, I have to be honest. Like, I don't have the answers to this because <laughs> these, these are questions that I grapple with every day. But I, I do know that for me, at least, um, I, I money is important because, look, I'm one of those people I love to travel, you know. And as I get older, it's like, yes, I want to set myself up financially. But also, again, what is the cost? What is the real cost? And so, um, Dave, what are your thoughts yeah, I I don't have answers either, but I the way I think about this is, you know, I really want to make sure to yeah, like to put a mirror to myself and say like what is what is underneath the the aspects or what I'm seeking that looks like a life of financial security that allows for time for vacation that I can visit different places around the world. I can experience and engage with different cultures. I can visit my family <laughs> if there's an emergency. And those, you know, they, they have those studies over and over again that 
most people don't have $400 for emergencies. And I think for black people, it's even less um, in terms of wealth and savings and all those things. So um, I'm thinking a lot about, you know, what is underneath that. And for me, there's a lot tied to masculinity and whatever, maybe even toxic masculinity about being a provider and what does that look like and what should I be earning and what does that mean as a relationship to my family. Also in terms of overall the struggle of black people, liberation, our success, like should I be making this much and in these places with this level of recognition and exposure because so many people behind me didn't have that opportunity. And so do I need to be doing X, Y, and Z and earning so much to demonstrate progress? Like what, just to get, you know, a few examples of like what's behind that beyond the, I need to eat, (laughs) I need to have a place to live. I need that, those sorts of things. So I do struggle with what does it look like to have like freedom and liberation and, and these things that we're working towards and have there still be, um, the ways we understand wealth and accumulating resources, the way we understand um, land and home ownership, as it relates to even like the whole history of indigenous community and and their and their land and our labor as it relates to that land and, and other groups, um, having money for material possessions and you know looking fly, looking this, having this, having that, can those dovetail? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I really struggle to understand how to do that because, and this came up for me, I don't know if I want to hear from you as it relates to money during my um, sabbatical. I had a lot of those questions of what is this all for? Like, why is there money? <laughs> what mm-hmm. is all like, you know, thinking mm-hmm. again, like Star Trek, like they just, you know, Captain Picard just gets some Earl Grey out of the, the side of the ship. Like there's no... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a canteen where he's paying, you know, so just the, the whole economics of it all of like, why are we working so hard for all of these things when there's plenty of resources that allow for all of us to live our lives creatively and in the ways we need? Why are we continuing to do this came up for me. Um, but of course, at the end of the day, I still need to eat. So I don't have any answers, but I'm just saying some of the things like, that have come up for me related. Well, I think the irony of the nonprofit industry is that we, the industry depends so much on corporate dollars to survive and thrive. So even for organizations that are social justice focused and oriented, that they still have to go to these big corporations to be funded. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I often think about the history of HBCUs, you know, historically black colleges that got, you know, injections of cash from the Jewish community, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to open. And so I, it's, it's hard because there's so little of the black American community that is self-sustaining, mm-hmm. you know, so much of what we do and what we have has been contingent upon other communities for so many reasons, whether they raped and pillaged and, and took from us or, you know, and because of that history that we needed them to get this leg up to be able to have whatever it is that we needed. And so it's it's tricky. I mean, I'm I'm of the belief, look, they owe us. 
<laughs> so we could start there, but are we going to get what we're owed? Yes. And if we don't, um, you know, what does that mean for us right now? And so that's always the hard part. Like, and I think a lot of organizations that focus on, you know, social justice, but this is even really about us as leaders and us as black leaders. You know, I, I think for me, I, I want to live well. And for, but what that means has shifted over the years, particularly since I took my career break, you know, what it means for me to live well has shifted over time. And so for me, it still means time freedom. It still means, um, you know, having as little debt as possible. It means being able to travel and move how I want, having health insurance, you know, those sorts of things. But the level and the degree to which I have all of that, I think has shifted. So the idea that I'm going to, you know, be like Jay-Z, like not <laughs> happening, you know what I mean? And then should it happen? You know yes. what I mean? That's a whole other thing. I'm not going to dig at Jay-Z, whatever. But I'm just saying like, and I think for me, just living in New York and being a transplant to the city, I've been here almost 20 years, but you know, I think that was, I had this vision in my head of what it meant to be a New Yorker, how I was going to live and all the places I was going to go. And I did some of that, but it's like to live that lifestyle costs a lot of money here. And so I had access to it just through other people, but on my own, no. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's a, it's an economic question. It's a moral question. It's a personal question around your resources and, and what it means to, um, to work on, to work on racial justice, to work on any type of social justice issue. And it's, it's complicated because as the person doing the work, you know, you, you want to get paid. Yes. You want to get paid, but you also want to see this cause or mission move forward. And so, and I've also experienced um, being in different spaces related to nonprofit work where you have people that are, you know, burning the candle both ends, organizing, also part of a, a nonprofit structure, doing all these things, making so little money that they can't make the, meet their basic needs. So we're also right. having that need to have that conversation or continue to have that conversation about beyond the, you know, the, the you know, the joke about having the houses and the boat and everything of people being able to earn enough to meet their basic needs, to save for emergencies, to support you know, elders, family members when needed, that sort of thing, living wages um, within this industry is a whole nother. I remember, I don't know if you remember when uh, de Blasio in this city, the former mayor, uh, was campaigning, he had this whole thing that he was going to bring in a nonprofit living wage. That was part of mm. his uh, his platform that, of, of course, never happened. Right. But, um, but yeah, it just it just brings up again that, like, Yes, there's the, you know, we want to make sure we have our basic needs met. We also want to thrive and go and be able to go beyond that and have the resources to experience um, what we want to experience, you know, in our lives, to be able to support people when we can, um, to experience the world in the ways we want to. And then there's also this reality, to your point, around people owing us. 
when we have built things for ourselves, they've been systematically dismantled. Right. <laughs> right. Burned, bombed, you know, uh, infiltrated. And so I can also understand the, the mindset of how do we get as much of this money as possible to be able to be as self-sufficient as possible um, when, the, when, you know, the, the time comes as it relates to the next thing, which seems it's already happening here. Um, the next level of backlash against our people. So, But look at, even when you look at black people who make a ton of money, like what they're doing with their resources, mm-hmm. any black person that is worth $100 million or more, I'll just say, are billionaires. Like there's, you know, what are we, I mean, and that's tricky because sometimes I'm of the, I'm of the mind of, I can't tell you what to do with your money and your resources, but at the same time, this idea that if we just make more, that we're going to, we're going to save the race. It's like many of us do not, once they get there or once we get there, don't have that view of things. Yes. Yes. That, that is, yes. There are very few people when, (laughs) when they get to that, the billionaire category, they're like, I'm now creating all of this affordable housing. I'm doing this. I'm, Creating, you know, there are examples of people doing that, but overall, um, you know, many people are operating like many people do with the. T- they have their percentage for charity, their percentage to give back. Um, not everyone is, you know, like a, you know, I don't know, like a Nipsey hustle approach. And but I and I think <laughs> it's it's interesting because you know sometimes I I think that the game, not the game, but what nonprofits in the U S should be doing is focusing on how to get everyone a living wage, mm-hmm. how much of, or universal healthcare or universal base income, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you really want to, if you really want to work on something that's going to make a dent in whether it's housing or food security or, you know, anti-violence in certain com- in communities, like whatever it is, like how much would be helped by having universal income or something like that, which I know a lot of people don't agree with. But if people are able to just take care of themselves, I mean, even just, again, healthcare in this country, why is it so expensive? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous that you yeah. could go bankrupt paying for health care or paying medical bills. That should not be the case. Yes. So when I think about, you know, all of this, you know, how much how much of our stress would be alleviated if we felt like we had a safety net or a place to fall back on? Because that's something I think about a lot where I think sometimes the whether it's the hoarding of money and resources, it's because, well, I'm not going to be taken care of. I don't know what's going to happen to me in old age. I don't know what's going to happen to my family. And for some people, it's like, hey, I just want legacy. I want my children's yeah. children's children to be able to have money. And this is how I'm doing it because this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how that's how money goes and that's how it works in the world. So I, I don't know. But what I have found is a lot of people, they talk about racial justice they talk about social justice and by all of this i'm i'm folding in class to all of this and um we talk about it but when it comes to oh this again as i said it might affect your bag people are speaking a different language Mm -hmm. they take a different tone and so what do you think about that yeah yeah that's something that i've talked about with you with many other people that 
there is this language, this this um, use of kind of a, a liberatory bent, and and it's 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 almost that thing that that we've talked about sometimes where there's a language that allows you like, and there is, there are people who are showing up and showing up for their people and whether, you know, whatever the issue is, food justice, like incarceration, other things. But then the way uh, that the language is filtered is with the eye towards the white donor. Right. You know, that at the end of the day, there is this recognition that even if we're a small team of uh, all black identified, brown identified people who are speaking the language, doing all this work, in the same way as there's the white majority nonprofit, and the, the donor still is deciding <laughs> what initiative, what's the, uh, what's the latest thing that they're funding, what's this, what's that, how do I maintain these relationships to ensure that we, you know, we stay in the black and that our people um, get resources. So there's only so much that the the agenda can be pushed until um, you can lose that that source of support, those resources, and that income. So you know there are very few people that when they talk about you know joking in Hollywood that someone has like fu money, yes. like they have enough money where it's like mm -hmm. I don't I can say whatever I want and I right. can do because I don't need any you know collaboration funding whatever it is. I don't know how much of people in this work have that <laughs> um, not meaning that they cut people off, but like I can just collaborate in the ways that I want and have enough resources uh, to ensure that this work moves forward. Um, it would probably only be really at an individual level um, not to just fund. Well, I guess there are some examples, but um, yeah, yeah. I find this really challenging because like you were saying, like there's so many, the dynamics of like what is the nonprofit there to do and what is the impact about that is usually inextricably linked to lack of resources and right. targeting and disinvestment. There's the people doing the work and all the divides amongst those people in terms of class, in terms of experience, proximity to whiteness and, and white community and how people grew up. Um, and then th that does then deciding what the work looks like. Then there's all the donors there's the people you're trying to relate to that are in your city, in your community, like in your kind of sphere um, that you're trying to get this message across to of like, who are we about? Why are we doing this work? How can you help? How can you show up? Um, where in many ways, at least that we've seen, there's always this eye towards palatability as opposed to really shifting the narrative and shifting power. Absolutely. And I think so few are into shifting the narrative and shifting power. It's just something that feels too risky. And it's not something that many, most of these institutions are invested in. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can we have a place for this white donor's money to reside and give them a good time? Mm -hmm. And it's, and I, and I think it can do good work. But again, you know, my question always comes back to the, the goal and the purpose of the nonprofit in the United States. Like, what are we, what are you trying to do? And we know these ultimate things of people should be able to take care of themselves. Yes. 
you know, and so are you contributing is what your organization doing contributing to people being able to take care of themselves and their families on their own, as opposed to this sort of nanny paternalistic approach where it's like, well, I'm going to give you this because, and I know what's best for you and letting people make their own decisions and choices. And if you give people again, a universal income, universal healthcare, whatever it is, people are going to be making a lot of different decisions about work. You know, and so I think that's also something that we have to keep in mind. And nonprofits would be going out of business mm -hmm. if if we had that. And then what does that mean for people? Um, you can focus on other creative endeavors. I don't know. You can do other things. And there's a lot more. Um, I think we, we have a hard time conceiving a world where your health insurance isn't tethered to where you work. Or your your livelihood and your ability to live in this world is not tethered to how much you make because you already have it. Yes. Or your value as a person needs to be directly linked to the type of labor that you do. Right. Um, and that's something that that I we've talked about that was very <laughs> funny for me is the amount of people that when I took my career break, you know, my sabbatical were very interested in me not being not working or me being quote unquote unemployed. What was I doing with my time? How was I searching for jobs? How could they help me find my next job? Blah, 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 blah. Who never once asked me about my work before. Mm. <laughs> Are you doing this? Pro oh, I saw that you were on TV or, oh, you sent out this article on LinkedIn or, oh, like, tell me about what you're working on. Never but we're very interested in my unemployment. So there, there is so much there about our own levels of comfort, our own history, uh, family or otherwise related to like, I, I need to make sure I have the resources to never get back to whatever that was where things were um, tenuous, a tenuous situation around finances, um, but ultimately like value and worth that we assess or people related to that. And to your point, if we had universal basic income, if we had people's needs, needs met, would they be working day in and day out for these corporations to make billions of dollars in profits? No, <laughs> absolutely not. And I think going back to your experience, I, I think folks are really get really scared and worried when they think a black person isn't performing labor. Mm-hmm. If they see a black person not laboring, not working, it's like all of a sudden you're being lazy. No, it's just like, I don't want to work in this way anymore. But it's so hard for people to wrap their brain around their head around. Unless you have been down this path and down this road, it's really hard to see and understand. And I try to give people grace when it comes to talking about this because I've had a very specific path that has led me here. And as I said, you know, even when I took my career break, it was only then that I started really unpacking this for myself. And I had thought about it before, but it was, it became very personal to me. And when I decided, you know, I'm not going to be going for this job that's paying me, however, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like that's no longer my goal. My goal is to have as much time as I can to enjoy my life and yes, I have to work and yes, I have to eat and, you know, all of that. But my my focus has shifted and I think we're uncomfortable. We're profoundly uncomfortable as a culture 
um, and a world and a country when someone makes that kind of decision. It's like, well, what do you mean you're stepping out of this matrix? No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it makes people uncomfortable and sometimes people can even get aggressive about it when they feel like oh why are you why do you get to do this and I don't well I didn't say you couldn't do it (laughs) I'm just telling you what I'm doing you know what I mean yes so I I don't know there's there's so much to say here um and maybe we'll come back with a part two or we'll we'll delve more into this because there's so many angles and there's so many ways in which we can have this conversation I think part of it is you know, the nonprofit and, and working within them and how people are paid and what people need to live. Um, and there's also you as the leader, as a black leader in these organizations. And as I said, you have needs, you have desires, you have dreams, and you want to achieve all of those things. And also, you know, you want racial justice also. And so it, it, it's tricky. And so I don't know, David, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in terms of the show notes or, or the comments uh, from listeners, I think we'd love to to hear, you know, where where are these conversations happening about how to balance? Um, there, there was one session that I attended where they had those uh, kind of group agreements or guiding principles for a session. And I forget the name of the group, but it, one of the things was embrace paradox. Mm. So it was this whole thing about, you That's know, good. I can be in a room talking about wanting to see, you know, things around racial justice, social justice, wanting to support um, land back, you know, for indigenous and native communities within the U.S. and still own a property. <laughs> right. <laughs> that 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 can be true at the same time because we're trying to build towards something and have a reality of how we need to you know, play within this game and what the current playing field looks like in order to have a level of security while we are also pushing towards whether it's incremental or radical changes. Um, But yeah, if you're having these conversations or you're seeing great articles, groups, whatever, you feel comfortable sharing them in the comments, that would be great. Yes, I think um, I think you summed it up nicely. I, I think it is a it is a paradox, and I think if I c- if I'll say anything is like to let's at least be more intentional about these things as they're happening. And when you are when we're talking about racial justice, when we're talking about social justice, when we're working in when you're working in these organizations, and you're thinking about also getting the bag and what you need and what you want, just being intentional about the decisions that you're making and how you're making them. And and again, it, it doesn't need to stop you, but I, I do think we need to take a step back and think about the moves that we're making and why and how much do we need. And, and again, I, I get the system, so I, I'm not telling you not to go out there and get your money because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but But I do think let's just, Let's just think about it. Let's have another conversation. Um, continuing yes. this conversation, I'll say that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add that I really like that point of um, being honest as a leader if you are moving forward with something because it's going to bring you a lot of resources. You don't have to say to your team, but we're going to be able to change this and it's going to be you know, instrumental in all of this transformative this and that when it's really about this will bring in a lot of resources. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, that is it for this episode. Thanks, folks, for listening. Um, definitely reach out to to us. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, do you want to vote and also racial justice? Uh, let us know your experience and your thoughts on this topic. Um, that's all for this episode. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.